all joined us this morning. I hope you got into a good conversation. Welcome people who are online. We're glad that you're with us today. My name is Stephanie. I'm the lead pastor here at Mill City. So I just want to give a special welcome to all of you uh, joining us, especially if you're kind of checking out a new church. I know that can be uh, an anxiety-producing experience. So welcome. We hope you feel welcomed, and we'd love to give you that gift that Tony mentioned. Okay, let's start out with the poll. Let's see. Who played an instrument when they were a kid? Who? Keep your hand up if you still play that instrument. What? What happened to us? <laughs> put, put your hand up if you still play the instrument. These are the people we need to be friends with because they stick to it and they will not drop you. Okay? So we need to find those people and the rest of us, we need some prayers. That's okay. No, I'm, I'm just joking around. I played the trumpet when I was, anyone not shocked that I played the trumpet? Yeah, I know. It's hilarious. Uh, we need to stick with those faithful people. Well, uh, obviously, this has been another difficult week, another challenging and heavy week as Russia's invaded Ukraine, as you know, and many other things that are going on. I thought, you know, let's start off today before we jump into our scripture, just creating some space for some prayer. Um, obviously for the crisis that's going on in the Ukraine and in, in Russia, but also just the things that are on our hearts. We get your prayer requests. We pray for you regularly. Let's just create a couple minutes to bring those burdens to Jesus. We know that we're invited to do that and that Jesus draws close to the brokenhearted. So let's do that before we jump into our scripture today. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come to you today as people with broken hearts, as people feeling the weight of literally the world, as people who have things that are personally weighing us down, maybe even some celebrations in there and and a lot of things in the messy middle. And Jesus, this morning we bring these things to you. God, we pray for peace in Ukraine. God, we pray for the, the end of this um, display of, of tyranny and power, God, in the name of Jesus. We pray for safety for people who are in violent paths. God, we bring to you the things that are weighing on our hearts. Right now, as you think about the things in your life that you just feel weighed down by, we just pause and just give these things to Jesus right now. Your word says we can cast our cares on you because you care for us. You care about us, but you also care on our behalf because these things are often too big for us to care for on our own. Jesus, thank you for being one who draws close to the brokenhearted. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to this place this morning. We ask that you would create a space where we can be people who are strengthened by you and empowered by you, that we would experience your healing that we would experience your love and that we would head into this, this new week different than when we came in today just because of you. And so we welcome you to this, this space and to this conversation this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you all, but uh, I feel like a week like this, uh, it's like the tragedy and the uncertainty is just piling on, isn't it? Just again and again and again. And sometimes I just think just when you can't face any more suffering in the world, our news feeds are filled with images of of people who are fleeing from their homes and of explosions that are taking lives and buildings. And just when it seems like, like something has got to give, our radio is filled with news reports of updates of war, of bloodshed, of protest. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that sometimes thinks, I don't know if I can take any more. 
I just don't know if I can. My heart feels heavy. I feel weighed down. And there's a temptation that I have, if I'm being honest, and that is to just try to shut it all out <laughs> and try to find some distractions. And, you know, every once in a while, that might be okay, right? And I think there is a real reality that we can have boundaries about what we consume as far as news and the things that are coming to us. Uh, we, we need to recognize that the, the doom scroll on our phone has not helped anyone, ourselves or anyone else, that we're doom scrolling about this idea of like you just keep scrolling through these images. And, and I think we need to recognize the agency we have when it comes to, rec to being able to say, hey, we can decide how we take in this information. But I do think it's important that we take it in. Uh, my friend, Dr. Chris Gertz, he's a history professor at Bethel, and he was interviewed on CARE 11 yesterday, and I was so struck by what he said. This is what Dr. Gertz said, and I want to share it with you. He was being asked because he's got a history professor, so he knows a lot of the history about the history of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, and this is what he said. He said, watching the heartbreaking images, I encourage you to let yourself be moved. I watched children cowering in a subway in Kiev and watched a rabbi having to abandon his synagogue in Odessa. Ask yourself, he said, do you want to live in a world where dictators can take neighbors, where democracy can be undone by authoritarian violence? But right this moment, we do live in that world, don't we? And I believe, though, that there's power in this encouragement that Dr. Gertz gives us to let ourselves be moved. We've been in this conversation on the Sermon on the Mount that we're calling Seek First the Kingdom. Jesus says, Seek First the Kingdom and God's Righteousness, uh, which is God's justice. I'll put the, the kind of way I unpacked it on the screen a few weeks ago. When you, you break it down, you just see this idea that, that Jesus is saying to us, his disciples, you can seek, crave this kingdom of God and the justice of God, that that's something that we are just like wired to long for, and I feel that right now to seek God's right-making. And if you want to seek God's right-making, there's only one place to look, and that's where things are wrong. <laughs> right? You can't seek the kingdom of, of, and the justice, the righteousness of God making wrong things right if you don't stare right in the face the things that are wrong. Because it's there that we see the, the hope and then things that God is making new. And we've been talking about how uh, over the last few weeks that the kingdom is something that's here now, but it's also not yet here fully. And so we, we are filled with this longing for more healing and more restoration and right now more peace, right? And that longing is something that Jesus knows that we're going to have. And in the midst of the brokenness and suffering, Jesus tells the disciples right here, the core of this famous sermon, seek first the kingdom and God's righteousness. Just when we think we can't take it anymore, Jesus thinks that we'll have the strength to carry on, to keep seeking, to even when we're worn out, Jesus thinks that, I'm telling you, when I read through the Sermon on the Mount, I don't know about you, but I read this and I think, I think Jesus believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. <laughs> like I read through these words and I think Jesus knows the power of his love and how it can change us and change our situations and change how we experience the situations around us. Jesus knows the power of his love to carry us through even the darkest night. And so today, as we dig into Matthew chapter 6, if you have a Bible, uh, we're finally made it to the part in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says this phrase, seek first the kingdom. And I want to look at what Jesus is talking about kind of in the context of this phrase, and then I want to back up and zoom out a little bit and see what Jesus is saying throughout chapter 6 here, because I, I hope this is the truth, and this is the, the, the thing I hope we can walk away with today. I'll put it on the screen. Jesus can lead us to have the strength to continue to seek God's kingdom, no matter what we may face. 
Jesus can lead us to have the strength to continue to seek God's kingdom no matter what we might face. So let's look at the context of this phrase, this phrase, seek first the kingdom and God's righteousness. And let me read it. And maybe it's familiar to you or maybe it's new, but we'll have it up on the screen. And I just encourage you to, to imagine Jesus speaking these words to the people that he loves and the pictures that he's giving here. I'm going to start in uh, chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and, gone, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, his justice, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I think the people then and the people right now, if you heard Jesus say each day has a trouble of its own, of enough trouble of its own, would have said amen to that. Jesus is saying this, the, he says the phrase, the pagans run after these things. Um, you know, food, clothing, not bad things to want. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. And notice that when he uses the phrase pagan here, and, and we'll read it again later, it's not a put down in this context. It's just saying people who follow other gods other than Yahweh. They seek after these things, and Jesus is making a distinction here. In verse 32, when he says this, for the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, Jesus is making a distinction that we might miss, and that is that all of the ancient Near Eastern gods, all of the, the stories that people had about deities, none of those stories included a God who was a heavenly Father that loved the people, the humans, as children. I mean, not even close. I mean, at, at best, these gods... The gods that different uh, Roman and different Greek gods that, that the people believed in, they were at best like ambivalent to humans. At worst, they were spiteful and angry towards humans, and, and the humans had to figure out how to appease those gods. When Yahweh God, the God of, of the Old Testament, is spoken as a loving parent who wants to give good things to children, this is a distinctive in the ancient world. So, so these, these folks who are listening to this, thinking of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this Yahweh God who is the one true God, this is a God who is unlike any other God. When you speak to this God, this is a God who knows what you're dealing with. And Jesus at the end there, he, he acknowledges anxiety is real. <laughs> He's like, each day has enough trouble of its own. But your heavenly Father is powerful enough to carry you through, no matter what. So since last week and all that's happened, I've been in communication with one of our Mill City missionaries, Alyssa Foreman. Some of you know her. She's come back to visit multiple times. And she is living in Romania as a house mother to various children there. And she assures me that she feels safe in Romania, even though it, it borders Ukraine. Her church in Romania has now begun to receive re refugees coming across the border, of course. 
But she did ask for prayer for her brother Vladimir and his wife, uh, Alia, because they're also house parents to a group of boys, but they're not in Romania, they're in Odessa, Ukraine. And so they're, they're obviously in great danger right now. And they've realized really quickly when, when everything was going down that even as missionaries, they could leave whenever they want, but some of those boys can't leave, and so they decided to stay. As she was telling me a little bit about what her brother, uh, he goes by Ted, was saying, he's, he just said, you know, we, how could we witness to the love and the, and the commitment of Jesus if we were to abandon them and to leave them? And so we need to stay. And I look, myself, I look into the pit of despair of what's going on on the other side of the world, brought on by this tragedy, and I think, where can I seek the kingdom? Where can I see God's justice? And what I see when I look is this couple who's choosing to do their best to make a wrong situation right by being faithful to these boys and by, by staying with them no matter what. And, and, and they know that Jesus knows what they need and they are praying that God will provide and they believe, and I know this about them, they believe that God will provide in this life or they will see Jesus face to face. Those are the options at this point. The kingdom is here already, but it's not here fully yet. And so we plead together. Please join us in praying for Ted and Alia as they are with these boys for their safety. But, but we pray for their safety and their needs to be met. But at the same time, we as Christians here and all over the world, we know that death is not the end. That brokenness is not the end of the story. A kingdom perspective, we see the long view. And we see in that long view that even if you have life in Jesus, even death is not the end of the story. That even that, it is actually a new beginning. That's what we believe. And so when I see the kingdom, and I try to look for the kingdom and to look for God's justice in this story, I see people like, like Ted and Alia Foreman being committed. I see people willing to say, we want to care for those who are injured and staying there. And, and you notice how if we don't let ourselves be moved and to stay present to what's going on, we don't get to see those things. We don't get to see how there are people who are saying, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to stay present to make the wrong things right. And everyone's making these decisions and, and trying to be wise about what to do, and we get to see that and bear witness to that and let ourselves be moved, like Dr. Gertz encouraged us. Encouraged us. And, and when we are letting ourselves be moved, we're moved by the pain, of course. But we're also moved by the way that people are being Jesus to those around them. I am. And if we don't let ourselves keep looking into the midst of the brokenness and we don't get to see that. So I, like I said earlier, I think Jesus believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. And when we back up and we look at the rest of chapter 6, we see something really interesting, how Jesus, starting at chapter 6, gives these three practices. Now, these three practices would be what you'd assume to hear from a rabbi like Jesus at this time. These practices uh, were core to people understanding how do we seek the kingdom, how do, we, how do we seek after Yahweh God. We would do these three practices of what they call practices of righteousness or right-making, making things right within yourself and in the world around you. And these are giving to people in need, prayer, and fasting. And it's interesting here, I think, that Jesus encourages in the midst of the, 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 all that people are going through as they come and they sit and they listen to him, he encourages them to practice, to put their faith into practice. So earlier I told you that I played the trumpet, no shock to anyone. Um, and I made it all the way to my senior year of high school before I quit, okay? It should have been earlier that I quit, just to be fair. But I, 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 for the most part, it was a good experience. Um, at every once in a while, I would get myself into a bind. And that would be that, you know, we had band practice three times a week during school. 
And then every once in a while we had a concert. But about once a year we had something that some of you might know about, and that's band tour. Who went on band tour? Anyone else? All right, so we'd go on tour to Iowa probably. And, you know, sometimes we had some fun trips, but we would go on tour. And the problem with going on tour was that we would not only have one or two concerts, we'd have like five concerts in like a short period of time. And this was a problem for me because to be able to play the trumpet, there's a few things that you need to be able to do. You need to be able to breathe correctly. You need to be able to read the music, of course, and and use your fingers to play the trumpet. But who else played a brass or a wind instrument? Anyone else? Okay. You have to be able to do one very specific thing to play that instrument well, and we call it having a correct embouchure. Right? So like, put the, look at this picture. This is the, a trumpet embouchure, this, this way that you have to use your mouth. Otherwise, it's going to come out sounding terrible, or you're not going to be able to make any sound at all. And what would happen for me is that I could make it through concert two and maybe part of concert three. But after that, I didn't have the strength anymore. Why? Because I didn't practice. Like, I didn't practice, okay? I, I, I mean, we were in class. I practiced in class. Um, but I really have very little memories of, I took that trumpet home every day, okay? <laughs> but I have so little memories of actually practicing. Now, I, I mean, I had hockey practice. I had my friends. I had homework. I had always had, I had a very involved high school experience. I was very busy. So busy, I can't even believe. And, you know, also, it wasn't popular in my house for me to practice the trumpet. And so I just felt like, you know, what am I going to do? So mid-band tour, my face would hurt so bad. Like, I felt like I had pulled muscles in my face that I didn't know I had or didn't know you could pull. And I couldn't play anymore. And I, at, we get to these, these concerts, and I just couldn't do it. And my band director noticed by concert four, I could not even squeak out a sound. And she was a loving person. She still is. And instead of shaming me, she just nicely said something like this. She said, look, this is why I want you to practice. When we get to big weeks like this, I want you to have the strength to make it through. And Jesus, not out of shame, I believe, but with love, invites, and in this passage actually assumes, that his disciples will practice will do these practices to strengthen and to help them stay strong so that when they have big weeks, perhaps like the one we're in the midst of, they will have the strength to make it through. They will have the strength to make it through. Jesus calls these three practices practices of righteousness, of right-making. And I know that we, in our own experience, some of us are like, these are just duty things. Like, what are we, this is just, is this something God wants from us? Really? Come on. Or is it what God wants for us? And here I just think we see this invitation to say, it's about having the strength to carry on. It's not about pleasing the gods. That's what was going on with the pagans and others. This is about a God who loves you, who says, giving to those in need and practicing generosity that honors God, prayer or putting your focus on God, fasting, practicing trust in God. These things, generosity and focus and trust, are practices that strengthen us, that strengthen us to be able to seek the kingdom no matter what we might face, no matter what is in the week ahead. And here Matthew assumes that we're going to do these things. You kind of see that in the text. And he starts out with this warning. Look at verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness, your right-making, in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Simply what he's saying is it's not about what people see. It's about your heart and how I want your heart and your mind to be strong in me. 
And he assumes that these practices will be part of the life of disciples. So you can see in the, I'll put them up on the screen here. Verse 2, so when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, even if you have a good embouchure. Don't announce it with trumpets. Uh, When you pray, verse 5, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the street corners to be seen by others. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard with their many words. And then Jesus teaches them how to pray, what we now call the Lord's Prayer. And many of you know it. And he says, pray that God's kingdom would come and God's will would be done. And then verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show they are fasting. I kind of imagine Jesus, like, disfiguring his face to make the point, you know, oh, it's so hard. But the distinction that Jesus is making here, yet again, is the difference between following Yahweh and following uh, these gods who want you to appease them, right? This, this idea that this narrative that people had, that the gods are angry. This God who is a loving parent who wants to strengthen you one practice at a time and invites you into this versus these gods who are like, you better get my name right or you're gonna, I'm going to be angry. And so literally people would rattle off as many names for the gods as they could think of hoping that they didn't miss one and get like snuffed out by one of these gods. This was the, the understanding at the time. The pagans, those who follow other gods, thought you needed to give money or lengthy prayers because they were desperate to appease these angry gods. Or Jesus is calling out these self-righteous religious leaders who wanted everyone to know how pious that they were, that they would be fasting. And I don't think, uh, most scholars don't think that Jesus is saying that practicing your faith is always supposed to be done in secret. But he's confronting the motives, isn't he? He's confronting the motives that, that so often are there to gain approval from others, and heaven forbid, to gain approval from God. You, you can't gain that from God. God loves you because, because God loves you. You can't do anything to get more of that love. He's calling them out for doing some sort of like first century value signaling, you know, before they had social media to gain approval of other people. But Jesus wants us to see these practices as a way to strengthen who we are, to participate in generosity because it's what God wants for you, not from you. To turn to God in prayer because Jesus teaches, when he he teaches in verse 9 how to pray, he starts out by saying that we can call God Abba or Daddy a daddy, a father, a parent who will give us what we need. To fast from things, to be able to refocus on the trust we have in a God who loves us, and also to remind us that we are not God, thank goodness. Jesus can lead us to have the strength to continue to seek the kingdom no matter what we might face. So this week, um, some of you probably already know this, is the beginning of the season of Lent in the church calendar. So Wednesday is uh, Ash Wednesday, and it kind of kicks off uh, the season of Lent through Easter on April 17th. And uh, I I love when we're digging into Scripture together, and by accident, it just fully just fits with what's going on in the world around us. Because Lent for hundreds of years has been something that Christians have practiced all over the world, and they still do today, of course. Now, whether or not it's something that you have practiced before or not, I just want to introduce this idea today, and maybe a fresh way for those of you who it has been a part of your life. But I think that the purpose of Lent, to refocus, to recenter, to strengthen ourselves spiritually in our faith so that we develop what I often call spiritual grit, this invitation that Jesus has for us, it is, this is what this is about. And so if you're not familiar, it's these 40 days leading up to Easter, and it's often thought of commemorating this 40 days when Jesus went into the, the wilderness. And what did he go into the wilderness to do? To prepare spiritually and to be, we talked about this a few weeks ago, to be built up and to be strengthened for what God had for him. 
And so this is this invitation for us as well. Now, many people know that there's a practice in the midst of Lent of giving something up for Lent. So some of you have probably done that before. Um, but Lent is also about taking something up as well. So it's this idea of you, you're giving something up, but you're also then picking something up, usually a spiritual practice or a, an area of focus. The practice of Lent is to fast or to give up, but then also to take up a spiritual practice. So to celebrate Lent, I do think it's important that we re remember when it starts. It starts on Ash Wednesday. And um, I'm going to send you guys some info this week because anybody who wants to join in, our partner's sanctuary down the street, they're going to be having an Ash Wednesday service, and I'm sure if anybody could go there or watch it online. But the purpose of Ash Wednesday is to remind us of our mortality, <laughs> that we came from dust and we will return to dust, and only because of what Jesus has done for us can we live forever with him. Otherwise, we are just humans. And I think it's so important that we start the season of Lent with that humility because it reminds us that we are not engaging in these practices to earn God's love, but because of God's love. It's only by receiving grace that we can step into practices with joy, not with obligation or, or legalism. These are things that some of you might need to fast from legalism, amen? Right? That, there's things we need to let go of here, okay? That's not what it's about. So I think of Jesus' encouragement today is to strengthen us in these practices of generosity and prayer and fasting. And so I just want to invite you this season would you consider practicing Lent in some way, even if it's a very simple, very simple way? Maybe you have in the past. I'm going to send out some resources tomorrow um, and, and different things like that. We'll put them on social media. But it's actually not that complicated. It's actually something that I can think be, that can be very simple. One thing that you give up and one thing that you take up. One thing you give up and one thing you take up. I even have a little list for you, and we'll send this out tomorrow. But food, people often think of fasting from food. That's not healthy for everyone to do, and that's okay. There's a lot of things you consider giving up to refocus on God. You could look at a list like this one. Worrying, venting, complaining. You could do a certain type of food. TV, you could social media for even a certain part of the day. Doom scrolling. Let's all give up the doom scrolling. All right, let's just do it. Uh, you could give up going out to eat. Uh, cable news programs and things that are just coming at you in these different ways. Uh, some people would t say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up any noise in the car and any entertainment. And when I'm driving, I'm just going to have peace. Okay, so that's giving up and then taking up. You can... Gratitude prayers, breath prayers, we'll have some resources for these things. Uh, times of volunteering each week. You could take up the Lord's Prayer and a process of reading that, a, a reading plan that we'll share with everyone. Uh, thinking of one way to be generous each day of Lent. Uh, different types of, of ways to prayer. Uh, being silent on your commute and centering yourself in, in who God invites you to be. Whatever those things might be. I'm going to have some people bring forward, we have these little, um, just these little wristbands as like a way to remind you of Lent, and that it starts on Wednesday, so you've got a little bit of time, so they're going to be passing these out. Some of you are like, look, I don't wear a wristband. That's fine. Just put it somewhere to remind you. Um, and it's gray on purpose to remind us of this reality that the season of Lent starts with Ash Wednesday. It starts with this reality that we desperately need the grace and love of God in our life, and that it's an invitation to strengthen ourselves in our faith. And if people ask you, why are you wearing that? You might just say, hey, it's, it's a season of Lent and I'm trying to strengthen my faith right now. And just be willing to just say that this is what God's inviting us into. I'm going to have the band come up as those are being passed out. I've noticed this tendency to think in my life, uh, when life isn't so crazy, then I'm going to try to find some spiritual practices. Anyone else? <laughs> Maybe when life calms down, I'll figure out what my spiritual rhythms are. But here's the thing. The very purpose of the spiritual practice is to strengthen you and to keep you grounded in the midst of the storms that Jesus tells us will come. 
There's no better time to start simple, start small, but start something. Day by day, strengthening our minds, strengthening our hearts to continue to seek the kingdom, come what may. So let me put this back on the screen, my hope for us today. Jesus can lead us to have the strength to continue to seek God's kingdom, no matter what we may face. God's love is strong enough. God's love is strong enough to give us the strength to make it through, even if it's just one day at a time. Even if it's just one day at a time. I want us to close together by uh, praying the Lord's Prayer. Some of you have done that in the past, maybe even every week or every day. And so I invite you to stand, and let's just read it together. This is the way Jesus taught us to pray. And then you'll see as we go into our time of worship, it'll, it'll connect with these powerful words that Jesus invites us to pray. Let's pray these together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.